Hello and welcome to another episode of That's What People Do. We're back after a week hiatus due to illnesses and various things, which seems to be happening a lot, even in lockdown, which is it's weird. But hey, you got to ride through it sometimes. Um, how are you, Ryan? With me as always. Yeah, I'm, I'm very good. I'm very good. Had a little COVID scare maybe, didn't we? Yeah, just a little, little tiny little COVID scare, but it wasn't COVID, so everyone can just get on with their lives now. Yeah. Because I'm immortal, so everyone needs to calm down. We can, so, all, we can all go back to work now. It's, it's all been one yeah, big dream. Yeah, because I don't have it. The country can reopen. Yeah, it's all been one big dream. <laughs> oh, I wish. I wouldn't even be mad. I wouldn't even be mad. It's like when people say, imagine if this was one big episode of Black Mirror and Charlie Brookage comes out and goes, surprise, I wouldn't even be angry. I'd just be like, thank you. Thank you that it's over. We can all get on with our lives now. <laughs> Yeah, no, fair enough. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm hey. still enjoying it. I'm making my way through Crash Bandicoot and Cyberpunk at the moment. <laughs> There's only so much Xbox I can play without wanting to put my head through a wall. Yeah, that's fair, but I think, uh, if I'm right in saying, the only thing you play is FIFA, so... Yeah, but that's because I'm really good at it. <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, shall we start? <laughs> yeah, let's, before we digress any further. So, last week, we bought you part one of Sylvia Lycan. So I hope you enjoyed that and the, I'm sure, bloodshed that's about to come next week, mm. which we're all looking forward to. But we thought, usually when we do two-parters, we do them back-to-back, but we thought this time we'd uh, break it up a little bit. So this is kind of an informal episode that will also become... Um, well, I had a headache talking about this. I had a very good friend of mine uh, talk about it with me, and honestly, at points, I was questioning my own existence, which happens quite regularly. But... <laughs> This, I have to say, is one of it my just... favourite subjects in the entire world. Philosophy. I absolutely love philosophy. I I could sit and talk about philosophy until the cows come home. I love it. Okay, well, I'm glad. I'm glad because that's what we're here for. <laughs> so today, the, usually the episode is we focus on one person and we take you through the story of their lives. This is a little bit different. This is generally just a philosophical chat because I'm, I think we've both been itching to do it for a while. Mm. And philosophy encompasses a lot of things, so we are just going to talk about a few specific things and not the general meaning of life and all of that stuff, because we could be here for hours. And also, I feel like I need to put out a disclaimer that we are not philosophers, we're just two blokes with probably too many opinions. Yeah, yeah. No, my, my qualifications, I, I'm a man uh, with depression and anxiety and think about my own meaning of life on this planet about once every hour. <laughs> oh, well... I'm glad to fill your quota for this hour then. We can record this one. <laughs> yeah, so we've got another uh, 57 minutes to go <laughs> before I start contemplating again. Amazing. Wonderful. Well, we're in the right place. So philosophy. We're not philosophers. Don't take anything we say as gospel because we'll probably steer you wrong. So we're going to start off with something that I'm pretty sure a lot of people may have heard of. We're going to start off with uh, Plato's Allegory of the Cave. Have you heard of this? I have. I have indeed. I think it's very interesting. It's it's fascinating. So I'll just, for the people that may not know what this is, I'll just give a brief rundown of what, uh, what it is, and then we'll discuss the potential meanings of what it could be. And if you remember our Diogenes episode, Plato was involved in that because Diogenes and Plato didn't get on. Yep. Diogenes would often come and heckle Plato as he was took, giving lectures, which is just amazing. massive shit in the middle of his lecture and then walked out again. <laughs> Literally just dumped in the middle of it, yeah. And also bought... It, it's just fascinating. Amazing that philosophers have beef. <laughs> so, imagine, if you will, there's a line of prisoners chained together in a cave. They've been here since birth, and therefore they don't know any different. Behind the prisoners is a fire. 
and from the fire, shadows are cast onto the wall in front of the prisoners, who have no choice but to only look at the wall and the shadows. The prisoners have seen absolutely nothing but the shadows for their entire life, and the prisoners would often play games and try and guess which shadow's coming next, and they thought the shadows are what's truly real, because they don't know anything mm-hmm. else. However, one day, one of the prisoners gets loose, his chains are gone, he walks around, he sees the fire and the things that have been casting the shadows. He then realises that the shadows are from things passing by, and the puppet, or the things casting the shadow, is the greater reality. So, the prisoner walks out of the cave, and the sun hurts his eyes. Eventually, they adjust, and he sees the world for the first time. He realises that until now, he had no idea what the greater, greater, that's not a word, greater reality was. Everything he saw before was not the real world. He then remembers the other prisoners and pities them because they don't know the truth. He returns to the cave to tell them of the greater reality, but no matter how hard he tries, they simply cannot fathom a life different to the one that they've lived. Due to his eyes having adjusted to the sun, he struggles to see the shadows on the wall, and all of the other prisoners begin ridiculing him for being unable to see the shadows and saying leaving the cave is a waste of time. They then threaten to kill anyone who dares to leave the cave. So that's the general gist of it. Mm. It's um. It let's get on to the deeper meaning. Yeah, it's um, it's something that um I think comedians have joked about it a few times about the idea of uh what would a fish say to its friends once it's just been caught by a fisherman and put back in the water. I think it's a similar mm. similar setup. And it's this entire world yeah. is just lived underwater, all this, and then someone just plucks it out of nowhere and abducts it, and then comes back and says, "There's aliens up there. There's aliens up there." And everyone's like, "Are you mad?" No, there isn't. You only accept the reality that's presented to you. So personally, I think that this uh, theory, or what Plato was saying, is that people generally live quite closed-minded in the modern world, or in in the world that they're born into. And they generally refuse to accept another world that could be out there. Mm. And I think we we find it a lot with these podcasts. We refer to them a lot as little Britainers, people that will be born. They'll stay in, this is just to contextualise it a little bit, they'll stay in the same town and they won't venture out, they won't have adventures, they won't seek out new things, speak to different people from different walks of life. And therefore they then think that their way of life is absolute and the only way to live, despite never having experienced anything else. It's true of today's world. Well, I think we discussed it in the Churchill episode quite extensively. Mm. Yeah, th- I think the key word here is, um, for this particular uh, story here, is ignorance um, and how powerful it can be. Um, these prisoners in the, in the uh, story, they only know one life, and that's the shadows on the wall. They're completely ignorant to anything else that might be out there until the other prisoner goes out and sees that there is more to life than this. And then when they tell them... They can't quite fathom it, um, and because they're, they're just ignorant to the truth as well. They're just ignorant altogether. And then begin ridiculing the person that has seen the greater truth. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it it, it works in almost every aspect of life. Um, it's almost quite prevalent in uh, what's going on with the world right now. We've obviously COVID. Uh, those who have not had COVID affect them in any way will assume or have the opinion that it's not as bad as it looks. Uh, but that's just ignorant to the fact that, for some people, it, it's been world-ending. 
quite literally. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, people only accept. But then I, I I was flicking through some comments about it because I wanted to see other people's um, thoughts. And someone brought up something very interesting, that everyone, when they listen to this theory, believes that they are the one who has been enlightened. Right. Which I thought was a fascinating theory, that everyone thinks that they are the one who's cracked it. Which is generally, I think, is true. They're the one that my life is the way it should be. I've cracked the code. I, I've accepted this greater reality and other people need to listen to me. Mm. Um, it, it's, it's funny, though. With philosophy, there's no right answers. I th- if, I, if I'm right, which I'm probably not, um, I think philosophy, is, isn't that the word Latin for uh, the science of thinking, I believe? I truly have no um, idea. Um, I, I believe that's what it means, the science of thinking. Um, and in terms of the mind, can you be correct all the time? I mean, I don't think you can. There's no right answer. It's, it's how you interpret it. Um, mm. and that's why it's, for me personally, I think that's why it's endlessly fascinating because there are a million ways you could interpret something. Um, some people might say, if you have to play devil's advocate for a minute, um, the one staring at the shadows are right. That's the truth. And what the other prisoner has been led to believe is just a lie everything out there is a lie it's been been made up by some devil uh, to trick him into straying from the path of the truth which we have been given which has always been right in front of us you know you could you could spin it almost anywhere you like mm, absolutely it's I, I i was presented with this um i first heard about this when i first turned vegan i know i bring it up every episode but i don't care and <laughs> i didn't know you were vegan <laughs> No, not many people do, but I keep telling them. And I found it fascinating because it was it was presented to me in a way of you have been enlightened, and I I, I won't lie to you. I feel like I have. I won't. I, I feel that this theory for me represents that, and I'm sure other people will massively disagree with me, which I found recently. It's it's shocking the amount of abuse you can get for just living your life a certain way. But that's another argument. Yeah. And I feel like I lived a certain way for 24 years of my life. And then all of a sudden I had, I don't know whether it was a sudden wake-up call or if it was gradual, but there, there was a, there was a change, there was a moment of change mm. where I, f- I felt like the world shift a little bit and the way I went about things, my the, my philosophies on life changed. And I think I, I, apl- I could apply that to Plato's cave theory, the fact that I broke out of the chains of, dare I say, the meat in- industry. And now I, I'm sure you've seen on Instagram, I'm constantly posting <laughs> things about why i think the meat industry is bad and i get more support than i get hate though which is quite nice no, i think people nice. just don't want to argue with me because they know i just won't let you leave them alone so in in uh, but, plato's allegory you are the prisoner who managed to get outside um yes and see another truth um exactly do you but know then i but then i'm not arrogant enough to say that people who then eat meat can't have that same enlightenment right the other way around i I would disagree with them naturally i disagree with them but i know that they will feel the same way i feel so you wouldn't in this instance uh go back into the cave and then tell those that are still looking at the shadows that that's the wrong way to do it See, this is the thing, isn't it? Recently, I have been telling people it's the wrong way to do it, but I think just because lately I've just been getting very angry about certain things. <laughs> I, I, I got into a weird Twitter argument that I need. I should have told you about before we started recording. Someone was telling me that I was um, I was anti-abortion because I was a vegan. It was a whole thing. It was oh. mental. The most bizarre encounter I've ever had. 
my mind honestly exploded. But I think I, I would go back in. I would try and convince them like I'm doing now, but I'm well prepared for the ridicule. Yeah. Yeah. But again, this is just what this is just one context that this can be applied to. It can be applied to many things like Brexit. People that voted leave can be like, we've been enlightened. We don't want to be part of the EU. And people that want to be part of the EU say, no, you are the ones that have been chained. Mm. It's it's a it's a <clears throat> cycle. No, it's good. I mean, if we were to play that out right now, uh, it would suggest that those of us that were born uh, from the 80s onwards know nothing but being part of the European Union, right? Mm-hmm. So as far as they would be concerned, we are the ones that have been stuck staring at the wall and the shadows. And those that voted leave are the ones that managed to get out of the cave and see this bright new world that it's full of promise and uh, all these sort of things. Uh, whereas, arguably, if you're a... Well, I don't know if we call them Remainers anymore, but if you were anti-Brexit... Um, in the first place you might flip it and say uh, all of those who um uh, uh pine for a time before are the ones staring at this shadow puppets and those of us who actually go out and explore europe and use that freedom to travel and the freedom to work in other places and and use it to trade with them at, at, at no extra cost and blah 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 we're the ones that have been out the cave and been able to see what is out there you know it, it, it's insane how you can explain it um I mean, again i'll go back to it i really do believe that the one word for me that i take away from that story is just ignorance that's it it explains to me what ignorance means yeah i, I think that's the general gist of it isn't it and it's fascinating that it was constructed thousands of years ago mm and still rings true yeah it's fascinating how yeah it is timeless it could be used at any point in history yeah so there's plato's cave good job plato well done i hope your lectures went well as diogenes was heckling you yeah yeah done some good things relatively yeah so we're going to move on now and this bit this is completely different to what we've just been talking about this bit really hurt my head and there was moments as it was being explained to me where my head was in my hands and my brain was desperately trying to make sense of it all yeah and i was struggling so you're gonna have to bear with me but we're gonna have a good go Mm -hmm. it's about things like direct realism and indirect realism and perceptual experiences and things okay it, this is fascinating. This absolutely fascinated me, but I, I don't. I still don't fully understand it, and I don't think I ever will. So, direct realism. So, for example, I want you to look around the room that you're in now and find an object. So I'm looking at a bonsai tree, for example. This is just kind of what I focus on. Find an object and just focus on it. Direct realism claims that that physical object exists. Mm-hmm. And if I went into your room, I would see that same object, and that's that. Yeah. We would both be looking at the same object. That is what say. What What are you looking at? What's object? Uh, my television. Your television. I'd walk into your room. I'd see that television. I'm assuming it's a black screen, maybe like a black border. Yep, black screen, black border. Yeah. Okay, that's direct realism. We're both looking at a television. Mm -hmm. Indirect realism. Uh, These notes might not make any sense. We'll see what happens. Claim that we perceive physical objects that are mind-independent, but we do it on a mind-dependent sense data. So what I see wouldn't be the same as what you see. Oh, okay, okay. So say, for example, the shade of black or whatever that you're seeing might be different to what I'm seeing. Yeah, yeah. Because our senses are different. Yeah, or I or, uh, imagine there's uh, a particular aspect of it that you might pick up on that I might not have. 
exactly. Uh, I think the same. I think it, to make this make sense, it works better for taste. People have different tastes. Well, you might like a strawberry. I might not like strawberry. Mm-hmm. Things like mm-hmm. that. Does it work? But the eyes, it works for the eyes. And I think people, I struggled with that concept for a very long time because if I look at my um, sound mixer here, it's red. And if someone else came in, it's red. But they might be looking at it as a different shade of red. Or someone who's colorblind might not see it because their at all. senses are different. Oh yeah, colour, I think that's just a whole different ball yeah. game. But yeah, exactly that. Or um, everyone's senses lead them to believe something else. Uh, would the um, would the dress, the famous dress, is it blue and black or is We're it? We're literally going to get on to ah, that. Okay. Yeah, the blue and gold dress is one of the most famous examples of because this. whoever made it, they know what color it is. They made it that color. However, the dress was blue and black. The actual dress is blue and in black. In certain pictures and for certain people's eyes, they perceive it a different color. If for me, looking at it, it was gold and white, and it was never anything other than gold uh, and white. For, no, for me, it was it was black and blue. It was black and blue for me. That's fascinating. And I, I, I was in first year of uni when this came out, and I remember having arguments to the death yeah. about what colour it was, and I just couldn't comprehend that people were seeing like black and blue because it was gold and white to me. <laughs> That's all I could see. Yeah. And then some people saying, some days it's blue and black, some days it's gold and white. I'm like, How? It's, it's gold and white. Mm. It was something to do with your eyes, like... I don't want to start using scientific words, but the way your eyes are made. Okay, yeah. Oh, something like to do with the, the, the curve of it or whatnot, if it's a rounder eye. I think so. I'm not sure. Um, okay. and then it, But that that is one of the most famous examples. And so that also works with, I'm assuming, optical illusions. I, I guess I so. Thought. I haven't really given uh, there's that one, any There's thought. one where, um, at, at a glance, it looks like a picture of a skull. But if you look hard enough, you start to see the finer details of it, and it's a lady sat in front of a mirror doing like her makeup or whatever. It's quite clever. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, okay. I okay. find that fascinating. Carry on. There was a man called Bertrand Russell. Oh yeah. And this is where he kind of the content, kind of content of his perceptual experience and all that kind of stuff. He believed that things only exist when we experience it. And I liken this to the if a tree falls in the woods and there's no one around to hear it, does it make a sound kind of thing? Yeah, or if you don't look at the moon, is it still there? Exactly. So senses are private and physical objects are public. So the tree falling would still happen, but because no one is there to hear it or see it, does that mean it's not real? Uh, in, In what sense, sorry? The tree does fall... So the tree falls, but yeah. if no one hears it, does it then make? Does it then make the sound? Oh, okay. Uh, uh, because no, no one's experienced it. So if no one experiences the sound, does that sound occur? Okay, but is that for me? The answer is yes. Just straight up yes. I think the answer is yes, and I, I would say that. I mean, maybe I'm just being facetious, but there are people in Australia who are making noise right now. But because I can't hear them, does that mean they don't? It doesn't exist. Or is it because someone exactly. over in Australia is perceiving that sound, it can exist? So that would suggest that unless you, yeah, uh, as Bertrand Russell has put it, unless you actively experience it, it cannot yet exist. Okay, so to take this one step further, there was a man called uh, George Berkeley, and he believed in idealism. So he rejected the idea of objects. He believed that things needed to be perceived to exist. So if something isn't being looked at, if you leave your room right now, the TV you mentioned earlier doesn't exist anymore. Right. Because you're not perceiving it. Okay. 
So I, I, for, to, for me, I need to contextualize it in an easy way for my tiny little brain to understand. So I imagined it like a, like a video game. If you're playing an open world video game, the whole world won't load because the game can't, like, they, it can't do that. Yeah. So it will only load what's on your screen, and then it will just load more as you move around. Yeah. So that generally is the idea of this. So what you're perceiving and looking at exists while everything else doesn't exist until you look at it. Okay, but what happens when you close your eyes and you walk? What do you mean? Well, he said, uh, in what sense does it not exist? It doesn't exist in the visual perception. I it, it, it does not exist in a visual sense anymore because I cannot see it. However, it is still there mm. in a physical sense and I can still hit it. But then you're you're still perceiving it. Oh, I see. I see. You're so the, for me, I think this is absolute nonsense. I think it's chatting out of his ass. Yeah. If I walk out my room right now, everything in here still exists. Yes. But I think the, the the thinking behind it is, if something isn't being experienced, it then he he just rejected the idea of objects. It's not real. If someone's not perceiving it, it can't be there. I mean, you you could you could repurpose that argument into something different. Um, in, so, and what he's saying is, unless you actively uh, perceive and engage in it, it it does not exist to you. Uh, going back to sort of Plato with the ignorance levels, um, unless something directly affects you, you could argue that it's not real. Mm, so it, it yeah. works in that context, you know. Um, exactly. I don't know. Heart disease to me is not dangerous it's not to me right now i don't have any heart issues i'm a young fit person i'm very unlikely maybe to have any heart issues in the next couple of years uh therefore it doesn't exist i mean obviously that doesn't work it does exist to someone but i suppose that's how you could repurpose the argument i'm with you i I call that one uh, a bit fooey yeah i i i I couldn't get my head around that because if i leave this room right now the bonsai tree for example is still going to be there yeah i think but i think the argument is because it's not being experienced it isn't there kind of thing mm. yeah i don't like the idea of everything behind me right now is just as a, 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 a i can't even call it a black abyss because black has to be perceived as a color there's just an abyss behind me there's absolutely nothing there until i look mm. and then it loads very very quickly it's like there's that video it's yeah. funny you mentioned video games uh there's a video of horizon zero dawn and it shows how the the world loads as the camera pans across the world and everything behind it obviously doesn't exist yeah. yet and the world has to load as it yeah. moves. That's quite interesting. That's literally what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Maybe I, should be a well, I like the uh, perception thing. I quite like that. I just The last one was a bit fooey. It's fascinating. Yeah, it's fascinating. So now we're going to get on to empiricism and innateism. Are you familiar? Uh, No. This episode's moving a million miles now, and it's so different to what we normally do. If this is the first episode of us you've ever listened to, this is not the normal structure. Usually we take a, a subject and we follow through their lives, and it's the story of their lives. This is just completely off the wall. <laughs> yeah. So, um, concept empiricism. Before birth, the mind is a blank slate, and everything that makes you you occurs from experience. Sorry, so just... Uh, so you have to experience something in order to learn and grow kind of thing. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So your mind so your your mind didn't exist. You have to experience things to grow your mind. However, concept innateism is that babies have no concept and that's all derived from experience. Um and an experience then triggers concepts that are already in the mind. So you might have heard the term innate ability. 
which means oh you were born with the ability to do that yes yes so that's empiricism and innatism which i think is going to lead fantastically onto the religion debate we're about to have okay so uh, quickly if i uh, if i've got this correct um so like a, ch- a child a newborn baby is born uh, and it's 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 a blank canvas in which you can imprint yeah. on it anything uh and it will learn that and that will be experience uh almost it, it will accept the world that's presented to it and it will learn from experience okay almost uh, always goes back always goes back like with the plato thing it is being shown shadows and it will only learn new things by experiencing other things yeah because it was born with no concept of anything okay so like things like time and then you learn how time works yeah. and then yeah, that's all you know and then if someone was to come around and say oh by the way uh, time doesn't exist over in this part of the galaxy here we use this and you'd be like I cannot grasp that yeah exactly that okay right alright forward okay so this is where it gets juicy the concept of God Ooh. if you are religious we won't be slating God we're just going to be talking about the concept of God yeah. So, can't promise anything though. Buckle in. <laughs> so, all religions generally they they have their differences, but generally they all believe that nothing can be greater than God. I think that's universally accepted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Unless if you ask them who created God, and then they start getting sweaty. This is where we'll go into. So, a man called Augustine. Uh, he said, "Nothing exists that is better than God." God is perfect, God is the ultimate reality, and God is personal. He says staring at If God is a person, (laughs) he's a perfect person. If he's a mind, he's a perfect mind. Right. God cannot become less perfect. Right, okay, okay. So that's the general idea that God is the ultimate perfect being and will never be anything less than the ultimate perfect being. However... Anything made of matter changes over time. Therefore, God cannot change over time because he couldn't become less perfect. Therefore, God is of the mind and is personal. So, does that mean he's then not physical? Yeah. Yeah. And then there'd be no reason for me to go to a church anymore because I can worship him in my own mind. Exactly. Exactly that. So... However, God can do the logically impossible. For example, could he then make 2 plus 2 equals 5? Well, yeah, he's supposed to be uh, all-powerful, isn't he? But then there's no meaningful way of doing this because we would know it's wrong. However, God cannot be wrong, and that's omnipotence. So whatever he says goes. So if he said 2 plus 2 equals 5, we just have to say, okay. Oh, but, but the fact that he used to say... 2 plus 2 is 4 is no it's not wrong anymore it's it's still not wrong it's just not right kind of yeah so god can so he cannot change what's not possible so 2 plus 2 will always equal 4 that's just that's just how it is that's the way the world is that's fact so and people say because god is so powerful omnipotence he can do whatever he wants he can do the logically impossible yeah. So he could find a way of making 2 plus 2 make 5. people say that God can't do the impossible. He can only do things that are possible. Okay, okay, okay. So so we're saying... This is where we really lose people, because I've lost... This is where I lose my mind. <laughs> so uh, a universal truth is that 2 plus 2 makes 4. God is all-powerful, yeah. therefore could change the nature of anything and then make 
2 plus 2 equal 5, yes? Yeah. But you're saying he can't do that. But can he? But there's no way of meaningfully saying this. You you can't you can't make 2 plus 2 equal 5. It's In wrong. terms of universal truth, you can add 2 plus 2, but it will always equal 4, regardless of the fact that God now says it makes 5. Yeah. And that's how a cult works, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> and then another thing about God is God is independent. Nothing brought him into existence because then he would be dependent. So yep. therefore, he has no beginning and he has no end. Okay, so He transcends time. Yeah. God exists everywhere and is everlasting. But. I feel like there's a but coming. I think the buts will come a little bit later on. Okay. So. If God is the most perfect possible being, can then God will evil? Uh, well, as far as I'm aware, God created evil, no? That's the thing, because God created everything. But then if, if, if he created evil, does that then mean he is perfect? Well, he is. Yeah, he, he is perfect. He created something that was imperfect. Uh, as a way to, as far as I'm aware, test those that believe in him, I don't know, to make them stray so that, you know, then he knows who he wants and whatnot. I don't know. <laughs> Seems a bit evil to me. And then there's the um, the paradox of the stone. If God can do absolutely anything, can he then create a stone that he cannot lift? Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. But then God can do everything, so of course he can lift that stone, but then he also can't lift, make a stone that he can't lift, so then he can't do everything. Ooh, God got backed into a corner. <laughs> this I is, love This that. is where it gets really fascinating, yeah. because he's like, okay, create a stone that you can't lift. He can't do it. He physically can't do it. Either he won't be able to lift it, or he can't create the stone. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like, it's almost like the the idea of God... And what he can do transcends our knowledge of, uh, like, the laws of the universe. Exactly that, because he created the universe. If yeah. you are religious and believe this. Yeah, but it's 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 it's, it's like it's like whoever created or invented the idea of God wasn't a scientist. Hmm. Because <laughs> like they might have come up with these sort of things, and now it's got to the point where like science is now, like. Like, realistically, I know I'm going to go off on a rant here. Um, do you know, we haven't had a rant of the week in a while. <laughs> go for um, it. Do you know what? Cue the rant music. Religion, let's be honest, religion came about because people couldn't understand the world they lived in. There was no way of them for understanding the world they lived in, right? Why does that tree just keep going upwards? Like, why does it not grow along the floor or something, if that makes sense? Why is the sky blue? And in Norse mythology, it's because we live in the eye of a giant, right? That would make sense. He has blue eyes and therefore... I mean, the scientifically eye... speaking, it's the reflection of the sea, but it's not that. It's, yes, but obviously, there's there's no way of, like, old Norse people being able to explain why the sky was blue. They had no idea that it was, like, uh, sunlight passing through, like, rain particles or whatever in the sky that creates a, a rainbow effect and then makes that colour. There's no way of them of knowing mm-hmm. that. So their way of explaining it was that a giant um, uh, called uh, Ymir, uh, we live inside his, like, eye. The, the sky is his eye or something like that, right? And it's held up by, like, four dwarves, apparently, right? 
that's that that to them is a logical way of explaining it but now when you look at norse myths and and gods and we go oh that's a load of baloney in it i mean there are some people i follow on instagram that still believe in it and like kudos to you whatever you want to do but don't press it on that one right um and then like you've got i think in egyptian mythology uh the sun and the moon are pulled by two chariots right and they're constantly like chasing each other one or the other right now okay yeah why not that makes sense there's no other way of explaining that but obviously we know that's not true now and we we now look at it and go well, that's a load of baloney so why can't that work now with other mainstream religions that we have nowadays like oh god's all powerful and all, all like stuff okay well can he make like a stone that he can't lift himself because if he can mm. then he's like if he can do that then he can't lift it he's not all strong and whatnot blah 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 and then they get all sweaty and start panicking and saying oh don't ask questions i think ricky gervais put it's, it, it's difficult to argue against i think ricky gervais put it quite well he's like there's literally been like for argument's sake two thousand gods throughout history right and 1999 of them we don't believe in why can't we just push it that one more yeah oh, that's that a good argument <laughs> anyway that's the run over it's just understanding <laughs> it's just understanding your world and now that we can argue like arguably now we can explain how our world works there's there's no need for this higher being like there is definitely a place for what religion does in a, in, t- in a sense of like a community level uh things that it can do and how it can help people um there are aspects of religion that you can take and say that is better but the whole believing part it to me is a load of baloney i think it's used as a coping mechanism specifically when it comes to death i think as a species we struggle to comprehend the death and the death of loved ones yeah so i think it's used to help with that yeah. Because whenever I tell people, like, this is my personal belief, when we die, we die. We just cease to exist. And that's terrifying and it's impossible to comprehend. Oh. And I think people, because it's impossible to comprehend, then I, I would I, I would love heaven to exist. Oh, Don't yeah. get me wrong. I would absolutely love that. I'm all for that. But I just can't see a way in which that's possible no yeah i'm absolutely i'm exactly the same as you um it it i'm, I'm assuming you've seen uh, uh bringing him up again ricky gervais's film the invention of lying yeah yeah, yeah. uh there's that there's that terribly sad scene where his mother is on her deathbed in the hospital and she's she's terrified of dying she says like she doesn't want it to be the end because there's nothing there that that's what they know and then ricky in it, the character invents this world where when she dies, she'll go to this wonderful place where all of her like sisters and brothers and relatives will all be and they'll all come and welcome her and give her a big hug and it'll be, a, it'll be the best thing in the world and she'll be as beautiful and as young as she was in her prime and she'll have the best food and everything will taste amazing and it'll just be the best place in the world. And she's like, is that right? Is that really what's out there? And he says, yeah. And it makes her feel so much better just hearing that. And it makes dying for mm. her so much more bearable and easier to deal with because she now knows that there's yeah. going to be something on the other end of that. Now, as as mm-hmm. you put it, um, it makes complete sense. Like it helps as a coping mechanism, um, but that's all it is. I mean, <laughs> but then, but then, yeah. But but what do I do, James? Like, what does someone like me, who's a vehement atheist, I have no belief in any religion of any sort, right? Um, I don't get me wrong, I'm fascinated by it, but I have, I cannot in any way believe in a religion. So. Do I just have to accept that when I die, that's going to be it? Because obviously dying is scary and nobody wants to die and we don't want to go to, 
well we don't want nothing to happen after we die so then what happens to us that that can't believe in anything what do we get <laughs> there's no there's no comfort for us i think that's your personal choice you find comfort in life yeah i mean my biggest fear is dying it is dying but my, mine is rather specific mine is dying without knowing everything um I'm endlessly well. Yeah, I know. I know. Everyone. I, I hate to break it to you, Ryan. It's going to happen. I know. I know. And everyone I've t- everyone I've told that to has always done the same thing and taken the Mickey, right? But can imagine being so excited for like uh, Avengers Endgame, right? But right. But dying before it happened, and there's no there's no resolution. Yeah. That's so irritating. That really would bug me. And obviously, mine's grander. So than you want that. resolution? Huh? So you want resolution? I, you want a what, conclusion? Uh, yeah, sort? I just want to know how how it went. Like how how is it going? I was really excited for that, and now I'm dead, and I can't watch it. That's so irritating for me personally. It might be something uh, we can discuss. Okay. Uh, later on. No, I I I I get your concept, and I think I think that's very possible. I think you need to find a conclusion to your specific life. Not, I don't think if you look if you go seeking a conclusion of the spe- as a species as a whole and our meaning, I think you'll be looking forever, and I don't think you'll ever get any closer. Yes, which is so. I think it's. But that's what take your life one day at a time. But that's why, James, I'm going to live forever because um, by the time I'm at seventy, you will be able to then put your own consciousness or whatnot into another being, i.e., be that a robot. A robot or something like that and therefore i will live forever would you do that uh, sorry would you do that 100 percent, 100 percent. i wouldn't i think I'd, I'd just call it my time i mean i may feel differently when i'm in my 70s and 80s i might want to go by that point right now obviously i'm young full of life I'm, i want to know and see everything in the world that oh, there yeah, is to see sure. so obviously I, i'm saying that now and my perspective yeah may be different by then but um I'd, I'd, I would like to die on my own terms. I'd like to die when I'm ready to die, not when my biological body uh, decides I can't be asked anymore, when my mind is still active and wants to know other things. I'd rather be then put into something that is more useful, i.e., you know, another body that can carry on doing what I want it to do. Interesting. Mm. I had a big old debate a while back with some friends about if science came up with a way to make you live to the age of say 500 mm-hmm. and all you had to take was a procedure would you then go through that procedure and, and most of my friends said yes and i said no mm. I, I i'm i don't know why but I, I i have no interest in it sounds people when i say this like oh my god you're depressed you want to die <laughs> it's not the case at all i have no interest in living to the age of 500 yeah and because there's so many of the things that go into that i think if you look at it from a completely um What's the word I'm looking for? Practical point of view. It, overpopulation would be mental. <laughs> the world would, the world would not be able to cope. We're already seeing food shortages, specifically today with kids getting horrendous rations. It's it's just if you overpopulate the world, which is what we're seeing, the climate will continue to go downhill. Starvation will happen. Mm-hmm. Will wipe out other species. It's not fair for the cycle of the Earth to continue as is as we want it to without interfering any more than we already have we need to die Mm. and as scary as that is for people to comprehend it has to happen that's just the way we're set up Uh, unfortunately i'm very selfish in that sense i mean i'm all for if if it comes to it you know in 500 years time you know if i if, if, if i'm myself contributing to the overpopulation i'm more than happy to get on one of elon musk's uh dragon x ships and go live on a colony in mars somewhere where there's less population you know go live somewhere else 
you know, explore another place, and then I can visit Earth on holiday. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's it's fascinating. But then people are like, yeah, but I want to, like you're saying, I want to live longer to experience new things and to get greater understanding and stuff. Mm. I would much rather get to the age of, I don't know, 80, 90, and sit there looking around and be like, you know what, I had a bloody good time. I th- I think the general gist of it is don't waste time now and then think you'll make it up later. Yeah. Yeah. Because you can only accept the reality that's presented with you. And unfortunately, I'm sure this is giving people massive anxiety, this conversation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the reality of the situation the reality of the situation is we don't live forever and you can't bank on the fact that science will get us to that point in our lifetime. But, so you have to do everything now because life isn't that long. That's, a, that's all great to say that. And it, it, it sounds like, um, I mean, Jennifer Aniston, ran, random, why would I bring up Jennifer Aniston? Jennifer Aniston um, was asked, I believe, like, why is she still looking so young and fit at like, the age of 50-odd, right? And she's like, oh, you know, I just try not to take life too seriously. I do yoga every day. I meditate a lot. I eat healthy, et cetera, et cetera. And it's like, yeah, that's great if you have a lot of money that allows you to spend a lot of hours in the morning doing that. Like, if you can sort of break up your day like that. Whereas for the the regular Joe, such as you and I, unfortunately, we have to spend almost 60 years of our life in employment. And the only time off we get is if we book it off uh, or on our weekends. Now, I, I don't feel like I can really go off and explore and do those things that I want to do in that sort of a f- tiny time frame. Do you know what I mean? I'm going to quote Mussolini here for some oh, reason. Oh, very interesting. I believe it's Mussolini. I think it's Mussolini. I'm probably wrong. I'm sure someone will get angry at me on the internet and tell me about it when I'm wrong. And I'm going to paraphrase it as well. Yeah. But he says... Um, everyone no matter who they are this is paraphrasing will find an hour of contemplation every day yeah so to say that you can't i don't know obviously explore the world and things you need more than an hour Mm. but when it comes to things like yoga and meditation that's very possible Uh, yeah no you're right yeah i couldn't do that but um yeah, there's. Uh, I can't. I can't learn the greater uh, mysteries of the world in an hour. Whereas if I lived for a lot longer. But then I don't think Jennifer Aniston's done that. I think she just drinks her kale shakes and works out. Yeah, and pays a lot of money for someone to help her keep fit. Oh yeah, for sure. But then, if you've got the money, use it for sure. But then it's possible to do it by yourself. I know some people that are incredibly fit and incredibly motivated that exercise every day, do yoga every day, they meditate. And they're not rich. They just do it off their own bat because they're self-motivated. And that's something I admire because when it comes to that kind of stuff, I'm not very self-motivated. And I've been trying really hard lately to (laughs) become that person. And I think I am making steps. No, I'm the same. I'm not very self-motivated at all. But could you imagine, James? Like, Obviously, we we, we both started this podcast together. We're self-motivated enough to do the podcast. It's something that we're both very passionate about. And the the goal for us would be to make this our full-time jobs. Uh, However... Well, that's the thing, ha- isn't it? It's easy to motivate yourself with passion. Yes, but how many times have we had to postpone recording due to work, or you know, uh, well, uh, yeah, mainly because of work. I.e., work has uh, we have to work a particular day, or uh, due to work, um, we're now yeah. really tired and we have to finish late at night or early in the morning, and just it, not tonight. I can't do today. Da 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 da. Because of work, right now, imagine a world yeah, where that happens. wasn't a thing. We, we could record as many episodes as we liked whenever we liked. We could spend all of that time, if we really wish to, r- writing, recording, researching, 
think how much time and effort we could spend on just doing that alone. But obviously, we, we can't because we have to do this thing called work. But then to link it back, does that then mean if we live forever, we then no longer have to work? Or do we then therefore have to work harder? No, good point. Good point. I think that was me sort of trying to edge in my, my support of universal basic income slightly. <laughs> oh, right. Fair enough. But then if they're doing uh, that for people that are living to 500, they don't have the money for that. They don't even have the money at the minute to feed kids. But hey. <laughs> good point. Yeah, good point. Uh, I feel like we've we've gone off topic quite a lot. No, I think it's a philosophy episode. I don't think there is a, a such thing as going off topic. I think there's just discussion. And that was fascinating. And I'm sure so many panic attacks have just been happening as people contemplate their death. But hmm. I think going back to, to the religion side of it, I will never take away someone's right or ability to think that there is a heaven. Because if that's what keeps them good and keeps them a, a decent human being and it, keep, it comforts them when it comes to death, then you go for it. Hmm. No, no, absolutely. Uh, you you have your right to believe whatever you like, so long as it doesn't affect me or the safety of other people. Once it starts doing that, it becomes dangerous. And also, well, then I'm gonna have... link that to veganism again. I know twice in one episode. I can't. I'm. I can't be controlled. Um, <laughs> does therefore their meat eating come under that bracket of your choices are therefore harming others on the planet? So does then uh, that need to be challenged? Yes, but then I suppose you have to then be honest with yourself and redefine what uh, you are. For instance, you shared on your social media uh, a couple of days ago about, um, I think it was the picture of the dog hanging out of a car window and not looking yeah, at a yeah, truck. Yeah. Uh, and for listeners... With a um, pig that's going to slaughter. Yeah, there's a piglet looking out the window of the truck and the dog is saying, uh, the pig's saying, oh, where are you going? And the dog's like, I'm going to the beach. And where are you going? And then the piglet's like, oh, I don't know, but I hope it's somewhere as good as the beach. And obviously it's going to slaughter. Um, and then and then if, if I can par- paraphrase you, James, uh, you'd said something, you cannot call yourself an animal lover and eat meat. No, the same way Ted Bundy can't call himself a people person. <laughs> <laughs> I was not expecting that. <laughs> oh, he might have hell. seemed like it, but but at the end of the day, he killed people. Well, no, he loved people, <laughs> just in his own unique way. Hmm. I was not expecting that. It really got me. Um, yeah. No. Now I'll be honest with you. I saw that, um, and I have always called myself uh, an animal lover. I've got pets. I love petting animals and when i see animals i get all mushy over them blah 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 and when i saw your post it it did i'll be honest with you it did make me think um and it's now made me almost have to redefine what i think i was i am um and it turns out maybe i'm not an animal lover maybe i'm not Uh, maybe i'm an animal lover specific specific animal lover yes yeah yeah so i've had to now redefine basically what i am i'm an animal lover if it's a pet animal basically Um, yeah you have you have a relationship with your your pet yeah no yeah exactly and so it turns out maybe i'm maybe i'm not um as much of an animal lover as i would have called myself or or i'm not as much as one as you are in terms of that it's not on the same scale um and then that's then something i then have to try and justify in my own head is that something i'm okay with well maybe not but i am still at the moment that man looking at the shadow on the wall 
Mm, all, all links, fantastic. It all that, links. That's the thing, isn't it? I, I I speak to my brother about it a lot about veganism because we argue about it until because me and my brother are very different people. The way he does things is the opposite to the way I do things. I don't know how we're raised under the same roof and we just have very different views on the world. And when I speak to him about it, I kind of respect the fact that he turns around to me and says, "I'm not gonna stop eating meat because I just don't care." He that's doesn't. Fair. It annoys me more when people come up with bullshit excuses. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry. Stop trying to justify it in your own head. Either just accept the fact that you don't care, or have that debate with yourself. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. My, I mean, mine comes from laziness. It, it purely comes from laziness. It is much easier for me to go into the store and buy, you know, um, just diced chicken ready there, just to put on the frying pan, rather than go and specifically find uh, a, a vegan alternative. Um, but you say this. It's I, I. It's lazy. I. I don't know if laziness is the word. I think it's convenienced. I think because if you've been raised a certain way for as long as, obviously, like I struggled as well, 24 years, you go into the shop and you have a habit. You'll know where all the aisles are. You'll go and pick up the same things. You know yeah. how to cook certain meals. And then you have to rethink that and think of, I, I want to cook this meal, this meal. And for me, I, I loved it because like it got me back in love with cooking. I was thinking about it again. And recently, I've got really lazy with it, really lazy. And I'm having vegan junk food and frozen food and stuff. It's all still vegan and I'm killing myself. And people are like, but isn't going vegan for your health? For me, no, I don't really care. I'm okay with the fact that I'm unhealthy and going to die one day. Like, I'm, I fully accepted that. But I don't want to drag anything else down with me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if I can get fitter in the meantime, then amazing. <laughs> yeah, but that would help. it's not top on. of my agenda. You're spot on with the whole, like, you know, what aisle what sells and what. Because I don't know if you've ever walked into, like, another shop that you go to that's not your usual. Oh, it's horrendous. How fucking it's a really confusing experience. <laughs> yeah i mean, oh, I mean wait, even if you go into like your local supermarket and they've changed the aisles around for some reason oh, i just stand there yeah. like why have you done this why yeah. what's the reasoning i mean when i worked at a supermarket i questioned like, why do you keep changing the aisles and they say oh it's for the ease of the customer i'm like it's, it's not because they come in and they ask me where it is and i don't know because you've changed it <laughs> yeah could you tell me where this is i ain't got a clue <laughs> It really annoys me. It's like it's not for the ease of anyone. I don't know why you're doing this. Just leave things where they are. That reminds me. I, I worked uh, very briefly, two weeks in fact, at a, uh, well, I don't think it exists anymore, um, a well-known DIY store in the UK called Homebase. Um, and I, I, within a couple of days, you know, I was being asked, excuse me, could you tell me where the uh, specific gloss paint is made or like so and so i'm like i i be honest with you i have no idea and i'd have to go find someone else who works there <laughs> basically i'm just doing nothing yeah this is ridiculous isn't it i used to have to do exactly the same and mm. I, even no matter how long i'd worked there for i'd always just tell people i was new <laughs> very good because very it good. just saves the saves the argument yeah. right <laughs> oh sorry Fantastic i don't work tangent. i was waiting for a waiting for a great, great tangent to happen and it happened from god fantastic yeah, yeah. So God can't lift up a stone that He's made infinitely That's heavy. That's where this stemmed from. <laughs> yeah, uh, and 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 God can't be all loving. Um, but then the the creating the stone argument goes back to earlier when we said two plus two equals five. God can only do things that is possible, and therefore God cannot create a stone that He can't lift because that's not possible. He's still bound within the rules of possibility. Yeah, so He's not all powerful then. But then, exactly, so uh, being omnipotent is being all-powerful. If the existence of an omnipotent being is self-contradictory, then an omnipotent being cannot exist. Yeah. If God can't be evil, 
he can't be omnipotent. Yeah, good point. Good point. However, if he chooses not to, then but then but then also he can be evil. He's just choosing not to. Yeah, and if he can be evil, is then not all loving? Exactly. And then there's a word here I don't know how to say. Uh, you throw dilemma. E u t h y p h r o. Google it. No idea how to say it. <laughs> uh, can God make right wrong? Is morality whatever God wills it to be, or is it something independent of God? If morality is what God wills, if he then wills us to murder babies, is murdering babies morally good? If it's independent of God, then he cannot change what is morally good and therefore is not omnipotent. Interesting. So you could warp the idea of even murdering someone as being a good thing. If God willed it. Yeah. And who's to say that he did whatever he does is right. Well, I suppose that's where you got popes for. Popes are there to sort of interpret it, sort of kind of. Oh, oh uh, yeah, for sure, and like raunchy photos on Instagram. Have you seen that? <laughs> Pope Francis liking random models' pictures of butts and tits. Yeah, is the just best really thing. raunchy posts on Instagram. <laughs> the Pope just liking it. It's, it's amazing. Hilarious. It's amazing. He's done it at least twice and now. And it's his actual pro, like it's the actual official yeah. account of his, isn't it? Yeah. But, but obviously, he's not yeah. the one using it. Surely, it must be some temp. <laughs> social media yeah who's just flicking through must have forgot to change um accounts yeah 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 no exactly that yeah he's forgot that he's got several accounts on his app <laughs> he's still on francis uh one <laughs> love so that so funny oh love it what have we got next but yeah can god make right wrong who knows uh so god is good isn't good good is whatever god wills so then there's no structure to morality. But so then, then it comes into the argument of, is morality an independent thing? Is my morality different to your morality? Yes. Or is morality given to us uh, from I, God? If, you, if, if you're asking me, morality is it's a personal thing. Uh, your levels of morality are different to mine, i.e. Uh, for you I would, personally, I would tend to believe the same. going to the vegan thing, uh, for you, it, it's immoral to eat animals. To me, it, there is leeway evidently um there is some leeway that i can use to get away with it um, but also how can you exactly how can you get uh these sort of things from someone who can't talk i.e god cannot speak like there's no way of actively engaging conversation with this man so how can he he i imagine the bible isn't it, it all comes to the bible or or the holy book of whatever religion in the because we're not talking about specifically christianity so no i mean it's obviously whatever it, holy it's, book. it's always so easy to just talk about christianity <laughs> Um, yeah, but, but yeah. we're using God as the kind of a just all the all the gods. But I mean, uh, I don't know. Uh, it, it's so irritating. Like, like to 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 be a person of a faith in our modern world and slate off religions of old, Celtic, pagan, etc., and say, oh, it's a load of shit. <laughs> it's like, yeah, but didn't Moses get talking to by a bush that was on fire? Like. Come on, <laughs> come on! <laughs> you know, I think. Yeah. Um, oh Christ! Oh, I've forgotten his name. Uh, Christopher. Oh blimey! Uh, uh, da, 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 I really, uh, I'm really bugs me now. <clears throat> um, but there's a, 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 a writer. Um, oh, oh, so sorry. Is it? He's a writer slash philosopher. Um, he uh, 
he's, he's, he's relatively famous, although for the life of me, I've completely forgotten it. I believe his first name's Christopher. Uh, and he, he said about... Truly, uh, I have no idea what you're about. ...the Virgin Mary, and said, what's more likely um, the fact... <laughs> uh, what's more likely the fact that um, uh, uh, the entire natural order of things, i.e. like giving birth and conceiving a child, was suspended, or that one minx completely lied... Right. Does that make sense to you? Not massively. He's suggesting about the the um, the bir- uh, Mary getting pregnant by God, and he's saying what's more likely that the entire uh, natural way of conceiving a child was suspended for about half an hour, or the fact that Mary lied. What was more likely? Oh, she had an affair. She had an affair. Yeah. <laughs> um. Because one of the arguments against that that I saw is if that exact same scenario happened in the modern world, they'd be on Jeremy Carl. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, no one believed them. Everyone would tell them to sling their hook. Yeah. Christopher Hitchens. Oh, thank God for that. Thank God there for you go. that. You got it. <laughs> Christopher Hitchens was quoting someone else called David Hume. And the quote was, which is more likely that the whole natural order is to be suspended or that a Jewish minx should tell a lie? Oh, I've actually got David Hume's name down here. Cause and effect, suspend judgment. Yeah. It's all about the the um, creation of Earth. Interesting. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's, it's bizarre. It's bizarre. Absolutely bizarre. That kind of stuff. But, um, it is bizarre. And to link this to other episodes with the concept of good and bad being an independent morally decision, moral decision, we we find it, it like well, I'm, I'm going to link it back to Charles Manson, for example. Is it a learned behaviour, what he did, or was he born with the ability to do what he did? And I think we discovered, or we we agreed, that it was learned based on his upbringing. Mm-hmm. And we've, I think a lot of the people that we've spoke about that are unhinged and do terrible things, we, we've realised generally they've had a horrendous upbringing. And it's very rare that people will become murderers, rapists, all the people that the world doesn't want. Yeah by themselves with no exterior force like pushing them that way and also um on that we don't want to sort of excuse those that haven't uh had traumatic childhoods and whatnot like there there are definitely people out there that uh have had completely normal upbringings and have then gone on to become absolute Mm. monsters uh there are there are some people are just tapped there are a few out there whose uh wiring in their brain is not uh up to standards uh, oh, yeah, mental health illnesses and things. yeah there, there is there is there is uh genetics also involved you know there are cases where um your brain has just not been wired correctly uh has therefore led mm. to you to be more yeah. uh more prone to being violent uh, and whatnot uh regardless of your upbringing but yeah for yeah. the most part a lot of it's got to be nurture isn't it how you're brought up yeah so now we're going to just, I think just to wrap it up, because we're hitting the hour mark, we're going to get on to um, does God will evil and all that kind of stuff. So the existence of evil is one of the biggest arguments against God. If God is perfect and omnipotent, he would surely then be able to eradicate evil. So because evil exists, does this mean God cannot? And there's two types of evil. There's natural evil and there's moral evil. And the examples I've got here, natural evil, natural disasters, tsunamis, bone cancer in children, that kind of things. Things that humans don't Mm. 
really do. And moral evil, my example is Hitler. Just evil mm-hmm. people. So, good can... But then... I don't know what I want to say here. But then, can good exist without evil? So, is it therefore impossible to create a good world without evil? Uh, but, but God gave everything th- uh, free will. No. I believe so. I, I, yeah, God did give everything free will. God gave us free will, therefore we're able to do with that whichever we please. Um, and again, I'll reiterate that. However, God can suspend time, so therefore can see into the future, and therefore knows what I will do before I do it. So does that mean that therefore I'm <laughs> not free? Ah, yeah, there we go. There's there's the rub. Um, yeah, the idea that uh, some people say, oh, it's God's plan. Okay, well, if it's part of the plan, I surely can't be free of will and be able to choose whichever I want because it's part of a plan. Mm. <laughs> it makes no sense. It's weird. It's like with it's like with so religion. If you just sit back for five minutes and just think about it, it's a load of crap. Right. <laughs> As in, the, all their arguments just sort of fall down. That was a that was a massive attack. That know. was a massive attack. <laughs> No, yeah, I don't really know whether I want to dive into that. Um, so, is evil just the absence of good? Uh, or is evil because of human free will? Obviously, you've got things like natural disasters, which climate change na- is, is, is pushing that on, but it still happened regardless. Do you think God would be looking at natural disasters caused by climate change, being like, damn, you guys are better than even I were? Yeah, probably. <laughs> Just seeing us wipe out species of animals, being like, well, didn't yeah. expect that. Um, is, is is evil an absence of good? I don't know. What's that, what's that uh, quote? I think it's attributed to Churchill, but I'm not sure if it is. And that sound like all evil needs, all, all that is required for evil to thrive is for good men to do nothing. Oh, yeah, I've heard that. Um, I don't know. Maybe it is an absence of good that creates evil. Maybe. I think there needs to be a contrast because without evil, you then don't know what good is because then that becomes the norm. Ooh, very interesting. Uh, Very interesting indeed. And vice versa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. uh, If I I can just go off on another uh, tangent, I suppose. Um, There's there's, uh, a philosophical question, debate thing, topic to bring up. Uh, that involves um, a, a picture, if you will, uh, a big bathtub with a roof on it, right, filled with water, and a scientist comes up to you and says, "Sir ah, James, like, uh, it's all ready for you. All you've got to do is just get in, and what will happen is uh, you'll close your eyes. The next time you open your eyes, you'll live in a perfect world. Everything in it will be perfect for you. Um, whatever you, Whatever will be a perfect world for you, James, uh, the computer that we've got here mm. will create it for you. All right, you'll know no different. I very much look forward to this it. perfect world. Right, uh, you'll have no sadness, no like you'll know you'll feel no loss. You'll have everything that you could ever want. Right, everything will taste amazing okay. and feel amazing and just be all heightened and it just be exactly what you want. All right. Uh, however, the only issue, of course, is you will live out the rest of your natural uh, life in this flotation tank uh, and uh, the rest of the world will continue on. The real world will continue 
as is, including your family and your loved ones. They will continue their lives, but you, you, you'll obviously not be part of that. You'll be living your own perfect world in this flotation tank. And the question then obviously is, yeah. would you go into the flotation tank? Uh, and it turns out a lot of people no. say exactly the same as you. They say no. Uh, and a lot. it seems the main reason is that uh, that absence of bad, that absence of uh, bad stuff happening is an issue for a lot of people because then they won't know, they fear that they would forget what feeling good is because there's nothing to make them feel bad again. Exactly. That's a, such a good point. And also, I like that life isn't perfect. I like the imperfections. Obviously, there's some points that are really bad and really low and you're, you're really struggling, but I then like the contrast of when you're feeling really high and you look back on the low times and go, wow, I've come a long way. I, I, I don't think life is supposed to be perfect and I don't think I'd, I'd, I would never want it mm. to be perfect. Yeah, no, it turns out a lot of people agree with you on that one and they say they wouldn't they wouldn't go in it. Uh, they'd rather a life with all its ups and downs than one where it's just perfect. Yeah, it'd be boring. <laughs> would it though? Because you could fly in this world. Yeah, but once, but then that just becomes the norm. The grass is always grass greener. Grass is always isn't greener. It? Absolutely. <laughs> and then, <clears throat> right on that note. Well, I I do did have one quick one. It sort of uh, it explores a bit okay, more. It. It's, it's a bit like the Matrix. What is reality? And uh, are you aware of Rene Descartes? Rene Descartes, and, and uh, his famous uh, phrase, um, "I think, therefore I am." Yep, there Cogito we go. That's ergo sum. Um, I think, therefore I am. Uh, I, 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 this is just off the top of my head. I've not researched it or anything like that. I just remember it relatively well. Uh, something about how, um, how, how can he be? How can he be sure that the world he's living is is real? That this this reality that I'm in is the actual reality, and that I'm not being tricked, and that there's actually there's another reality out there that I cannot see, or stuff like that. And it just it goes along like with the Matrix, like. Um, so I'll not go into Rene Descartes' version. I'll just sort of let's talk about the Matrix and is this a simulation? Do you think the world we live in is a simulation or is it real? Is it real? It's such a rabbit hole. Um, yeah, it's real. <laughs> there you go, everyone. It's real. <laughs> it's just because I have no interest in believing anything mm. other than that. Well, uh, have you seen the Matrix films? I. Yeah, there's, yeah there's obviously I have. it's all simulation. The scene uh, in a restaurant, the man is eating his steak and he's explaining how, like, although this is a simulation, which I'm very much aware of, this steak tastes exactly the same as it would in the real world, and therefore I'm happy with that. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's um the same as a Truman show, isn't it? That makes you question it. It does, doesn't bit. it? But then have you seen um, The Office lately released a hidden scene that they never released? Uh, I've seen, I haven't seen the scene that they've sent out, but I'm aware that they've released it, yeah. Okay, so spoilers, uh, I won't spoil much, but uh, basically it's a scene with Dwight and Jim's playing a prank on him as per. And they convince Dwight that he's in the Matrix. <laughs> and they give him the red pill and the blue pill. The blue pill, he stays in the system. The red pill takes him out of it, just like Matrix. And to everyone's disp- disp- uh, surprise, Dwight chooses the blue pill. Mm-hmm. And everyone's like, wait, what? And he looks around and goes, I, I fully understand what you're saying, but I am completely happy with where my life is right now. Mm-hmm. So even if this isn't real, 
the feeling of being happy is real to me, so therefore I'll stay. Mm. I like that. I like that. I love it when we get nice moments with Dwight. Yeah, he, he he's a absolute anarchist, but he's a uh, got a good heart. Yeah, it's like when he he's sort of uh, he comforts Pam. I think quite early on in the series, and she's mm. she's crying in the yeah. in the corridor, and he's like, "Ah, oh, you, you're PMSing quite bad, right?" And she's like, mm. <laughs> <laughs> and then he gives her his coat. It's quite nice. Um, yeah, mm. he has his own little way of comforting people. Yeah, no, I, I think this is the real world. I think it's real. I don't see that it's it, it's fake or, or it's a simulation. If it's a simulation, I'm enjoying it, and maybe that's something for us atheists to um to latch on to if we if we ever get scared of dying. Maybe that's something we could look into. The idea of that this world's just no, this is just a this is just a, a the matrix. This is just a matrix. Like when we die, what happens is we just enter the real one, uh, and then we just get to do that one again. Um, that might be something for us. Uh, I don't think there's a computer or imagination powerful enough to come up with the crap that happens on this planet. No, there definitely isn't. I mean, my PlayStation can't even play cyberpunk, so it definitely can't create an entire <laughs> universe. <laughs> <laughs> All right, then. Yeah. <laughs> right, so yeah, that's the general uh, philosophy episode. Uh, very different to what our normal episodes are. Um, do go back and listen to our back catalogue. Sylvia Like in part two come next week and we'll get back to normal ways of telling you the story of interesting, evil, good people through history. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, well, yeah. hope you've enjoyed this episode. As James mentioned, uh, Sylvia Likens Part 2 is next week. Um, make sure you follow us on all the social media whatnots. Uh, we can find pictures, etc. Uh, a little updates now and then if we need to give you them on our socials. Uh, oh, we have a new link tree, which I'm I'm very excited about, and I got. Oh yeah, it's in my Instagram bio and everything. Yes, yes. Um, uh, for those of us, if you follow us on the Instagram, uh, if you if you don't and you're new to us, follow us on Instagram. Uh, you can find us just type in uh, that's WPD. Uh, same goes for Twitter and Facebook. Just type in at that's WPD, and you'll find us there really, really easily. Uh, obviously, we are available to listen to on many, many streaming platforms. I.e. Uh, your Spotify, iTunes, uh, Google Podcasts, etc. Um, but we, uh, I, I'm, I'm in charge of the socials uh, unless I'm not available to do them. I only post Spotify and uh, Apple Podcasts on our links to Twitter and Facebook, and that's only because they're the two most listened to platforms for us. And so, it just in terms of ease of usage, I just leave them there. In terms of Instagram, you cannot put a link. Uh, for each individual episode you cannot do it it's actually quite annoying and irritating so every time i post a nice cool picture with a a description of what we're doing uh it's like i just hope that you're subscribed to us somewhere but now i we have a link tree in our bio uh where if you click on that it can take you to uh, a list of um places where you can find us you can find us on our facebook page twitter uh, our Kofi page, etc., all that sort of stuff. It's all on there, which I got really excited about. So that's that. Um, yeah, uh, and finally, so yeah, if you could, um, if you could, uh, whichever platform you are listening to us, if you are able to drop us a review, cheeky little five stars, it really helps the podcast grow. We've noticed our listens just keep going and going and going and going. Um, so we're really, really happy with that, that at the moment. Um, and also, big thank you. Um, we've had a couple few donations to the Kofi page um recently 
So I'd like to just do a quick shout out to those people. That's to Sam, Kat, Jenna and Faye. Thank you very much for your donations towards the podcast. They all will help big time. Uh, if you would like to send us a donation, it's just a one-time thing. It's not like Patreon. I'm not asking for your money on a monthly basis. If you fancy uh, just helping out the pod, you go, I like these guys. Do you know what? I'll bang them a couple of quid. Uh, you can find us at www.ko-fi.com forward slash that's what people do. Or you can just go on the link tree on our bio and you'll find a link to it there. <laughs> so, yeah, that's everything. Uh, thank you very much for listening. We will see you next week. Ta-ra.